This is the Better Than Before Betrayal podcast, episode number 36, How to Be a Good Mother-in-Law. Have you or someone you know experienced betrayal from a husband's pornography use, sexually compulsive behaviors, or other forms of infidelity? Hi, I'm Ruthie. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and a life coach certified through the Life Coach School. In this podcast, I will share my experience of growth and healing as I have learned tools and concepts to help me take responsibility for my own happiness, find peace, confidence, and become a stronger version of myself. Come with me and let me show you how to have a life that is better than before betrayal. Hi there. First of all, I'd like to apologize for the audio quality today. My microphone isn't working, and so hopefully this isn't too terrible on the audio. So, uh, when you read the title, did you say, wait a minute, Ruth, this title sounds like a manual. And you told us in episode 19 that we weren't supposed to have manuals. Well, you're right. I'm going, what I'm going to share with you today is a manual. And guess what? We are human and we are going to have manuals. In episode 19, I talked about manuals and how they don't serve us and can keep us stuck in thinking we are right and others are wrong. We can have a manual that can serve us. It's called How I Want to Show Up. What I'm going to share today is the manual of how I want to show up as a mother-in-law. Will I always follow this manual? No, I doubt it. Guaranteed, I won't. And I can try my best and fail at times, and it's all okay. It's fascinating how we all have a different idea of what a good mother-in-law is. What's your manual for a good mother-in-law? If you don't know... Just simply think of the things your mother-in-law does right and what she does wrong. That's your manual. Some people think a good mother-in-law or mother is very involved in your life. You talk or visit frequently, daily even. They babysit your kids. They come to all of your kids' sporting events, dance performances, and music recitals. Others think that a good mother-in-law doesn't need to do all of those things. Some people think that the best in-laws rarely make an appearance. Some people are bugged that their in-laws are so involved in their lives, that they're smothering. Some in-laws live far away, and it isn't possible to visit frequently. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Who's right and who is wrong? It all depends on how you think about it. It depends on what your manual says. Every relationship is different. My husband talks to his mother almost every week. For years, we visited them every Sunday. I don't talk to my mom with any regularity. Sometimes it is frequent. And sometimes I've gone months without talking to her. And I don't have any problem with that. I love her. I know she loves me. 
and I don't have any expectations of how frequently we need to have a conversation to maintain a close relationship. She's actually here staying with me for a visit for a couple weeks, and it's fun to have her around. We all have different ideas of what it means to be good in-laws. I have one son-in-law who tells me often that I'm the best mother-in-law. While, of course, I love to hear that, validation feels great. I know that he says that because I fit his manual for how a mother-in-law should be. Evidence that the S word equals a manual. His manual and my manual for this role are similar. I don't know what my other sons-in-law think. They may think I'm okay. They may think that I'm doing it all wrong. And it doesn't matter. I'm showing up how I want to. Or at least I try to be my best self as often as I can. I'm human, so I don't always succeed at it. And my manual for me could be very different from theirs. I'm certainly open to hear their ideas and how of how they want their mother-in-law to be. I guess I could ask them. This episode is based on a list I got many years ago. The story goes like this. A friend and I went to a women's conference one year. We got in line for a class. About 10 minutes into the lecture, I began to wonder when they were going to start talking about the subject we came to hear. I checked the schedule and realized that we were in the wrong room. We had gotten in the wrong line. I pointed this out to my friend. We considered leaving the room and going to the correct class. We were in a packed ballroom sitting near the back. We could have totally left and not really been noticed by many. We decided to stay. And I am so glad that we did. In the last few minutes of the presentation, the presenter offered this list. How to be a good mother-in-law. My friend and I had young children at the time. We were nowhere near mother-in-law stage. And we were pretty sure we would be mothers-in-law someday. So we did the, I'll get the evens, you get the odds. And we wrote down the list. I'm sorry to say that I do not remember the presenter's name. I wish I could give her credit. Thank you out there for this. I am grateful to her for this list. We missed number four, so and so did the gal next to us. And so we gave it our best guess. So here's the list. How to be a good mother-in-law. <clears throat> number one, invite, don't expect or be hurt if they can't come. Number two, let them seek you for advice. Don't offer. Number three, include spouses. Number four, this is the one that we missed, so we made it up. Look for the good. Number five, never compare. Number six, get to know spouses. Number seven, treat them as family too. Number eight, don't make them choose sides. Number nine, ask for help. Number 10, express happiness and tell them you love them. 
Number 11. Tell them their new family they have just created is most important. So how does that land? <clears throat> are you saying, yes, I love it? Or are you cringing, saying that's a terrible list? Or are you somewhere in between? Maybe you like some of the ideas, but not all of them. Well, you can push stop now, or you can keep listening if you're curious, as I say a little about something about each of these. Whether or not you agree with the list, it might be interesting to give some thought about each item. It can be especially helpful to consider what your thoughts are and why. Consider your personal experience. It certainly affects what you think. So the first one, invite. Don't expect or hurt that they be hurt that they can't come. Or if they don't want to come. Ouch. Okay, I take that back. You can most definitely feel hurt if they don't come or don't want to come. You can be sad if they can't come. Just make sure it's clean pain. There are some people that have expectations that their children will come to every event that they have, they have. And then they get upset or even mad if they don't come to everything. Why is that? I'm guessing that they're making it mean something about them. I love our kids. I love having them over. We have Sunday dinner every week, unless we're traveling. Everyone is always invited. I love to see them frequently. And if they don't come or don't want to come, that's totally okay. They're busy adults with busy lives. Refer to line 11. The new family they have created is more important than the one they came from. It's important that they spend time together building their relationship. And they like to do a lot of things. If they don't choose to come over every time we invite them, that's okay. If you find yourself getting upset when your children don't come to events you invite them to, get curious. What are you making it mean? Does it hit, hurt your feelings? Are you trying to be controlling? Are you respecting their agency? What are you making it mean? You may not like their reasons. You may dis disagree with their reasons. And they are adults. And we need to respect their agency and their desires. Always invite and never expect. Keep your thoughts clean and stay out of drama. The next one, let them seek for your advice. Don't offer. Do you like to receive unsolicited advice? Do you like to offer unsolicited advice? <laughs> it can be very tempting as parents to offer advice even when we aren't asked. We think our way is better. We have experience that they don't have. We want our kids to be protected from the pains of poor choices. If your kids aren't asking your opinion, don't give it. Most people don't like to be told what to do. We can show by example the way we think is best. They're adults. They get to make their own decisions. They will learn by the mistakes they make. And sometimes their ideas are better than ours. If they ask for your advice or opinion, go ahead and share it. Then stand back. Don't get mad if they don't follow it. They may just be doing research by collecting opinions. 
They are on their own path of learning. Give them room to fly. Include spouses is next. Do you welcome them into your family? Do you include spouses in your plans? I, I don't have any experience with not including spouses. I don't have any examples of what that might look like, but I think we can imagine. Maybe some families have gatherings or activities and leave out their kids' spouses. I don't know. Seems foreign, like a foreign idea to me. And, you know, my daughters and I will have occasional girls' night out and the men aren't invited, but that's different. Uh, it's in, it's different when you, everyone is invited and some choose not to join in. Not everyone has the same interests in a family. You may plan something that sounds someone isn't interested in participating, and that's fine. And we can make an effort to find things that everyone likes to do. Not an easy task sometimes. Be careful not to exclude people. They ultimately choose whether or not they join in. Number four, look for the good. I was on a walk with friends one time. I had two daughters getting married within six weeks of each other. My friend's kids were a few years younger and weren't necessarily looking to get married yet. One friend asked, how do you accept these new guys into your family? My reply was, I just do. My daughters had made their choice to marry these men, and it was not my decision. I just choose to invite them into our family. I choose to love them and accept them. I have four very different sons-in-law now. They all have struggles and weaknesses, as we all do. I look for the good in them. Sometimes I have to call them out on their crap. I certainly don't agree with them on everything. And I look for the good. And I respect their agency. And my prayer every day is that we are all learning the lessons we need to in this life through our experiences. Do I wish they would be different in some ways? Sure. And those are manuals. And I try not to cause myself pain by thinking they should be different. They all are 100% lovable. I look for the good in my kids and in their spouses. Never compare. Do you know people who label their kids and compare them? I have known people and I that have, and I just cringe, even when it same, seems complimentary. I've heard someone refer to as the perfect child. I wondered what kind of pressure that child felt. Our kids are all different. We raise them the best we can. We may not be thrilled with some of their choices, and it really isn't any of our business. They all have gifts and talents. As to our sons and daughters-in-law, comparing doesn't help anyone. It can be pretty damaging to a person's feeling of self-worth. Be careful in what you say. Everyone's 100% lovable. Everyone is of infinite worth. Don't fall into the trap of thinking otherwise. Don't compare. Get to know spouses. This may seem like an obvious one. Some people are easier to know than others. Some people are more quiet and introverted. 
Sometimes we have to work hard to get to know them. Show an interest in their lives. Show an interest in them. Get to know them. Next one, treat them as family too. Maybe another obvious one. They are family now. If this is challenging for you, get curious about it. Do you have thoughts that keep you from accepting them as family? If so, spend some time considering your thoughts on this. Next one, don't make them choose sides. It would be sad to think or believe that it could be a good thing to choose sides. This will put a strain on all relationships. Allow agency. Don't insist that you are right and someone else is wrong. Don't encourage division. You may agree with one and not another. Excuse me. But love everyone involved. Don't take sides and don't encourage others to take sides. Ask for help. Have you heard that a great way to compliment someone is to ask them for help? I love the idea of being willing to help others in a way that I can help them. And also being humble enough to ask others to help in ways that I can, they can help me. I don't mean in a demanding way or an expecting way or dependent way. I mean a way that's inviting, respectful, and show that you're grateful for their gifts and talents and skills. Keep it clean. Don't expect. You might be setting yourself up for disappointment if you do. You can always ask. The worst thing that can happen is they can say no. And that means nothing about you, only about them. Maybe they're just too busy. Maybe their time frame doesn't align with yours. Keep it clean. Ask for help when you need it. Appreciate their skills and their strengths. Express happiness and tell them you love them. This can be such a simple one for some and very difficult for some. Many people have not heard the words I love you in their lives, or at least not very often. My experience is I hear it every day. Growing up in my marriage is just a part of in our family. We say I love you all the time multiple times a day. That's not the same experience that others have had, perhaps. I love you are very powerful words. So if you want to, say them often. Tell your sons and daughters-in-law that you're happy that they are part of your family. Each member adds something to the family. Even the challenges bring opportunity for growth. Tell them their new family they have just created is most important. Do you believe this? (laughs) The new family they have created is more important than the family they came from. I know some people really struggle with this one. If you do, I invite you to get curious about it. Does your resistance come from fear of losing someone? I think many mothers don't want to cut those apron strings because of fear. I believe if you encourage them to value their newly formed family, you'll have a better chance of a closer relationship with them. Back to not making them choose sides. All the family's important. We want what's best for our children, and 
what is best for our children is a life of learning and growing, a life of struggle and discomfort along with the happiness and joy. I'm a strong believer in agency. Agency comes with pain sometimes, and it also brings so much peace and joy. The family your children you create is their op- opportunity for continued growth. Their new family being important doesn't mean that the families they came from aren't important. Allow them to learn and grow and develop in their marriages. So what kind of mother-in-law do you want to be? If you like this manual, you can follow it. If you think these are terrible ideas, that's fine too. You get to decide how you want to show up. And it's important to clean up your thinking. I have found this manual very helpful long before I was even a mother-in-law. I learned that I get to decide how I want to show up. We sometimes like to believe we are the way we are and we can't change. This is an excuse. We all get to decide how we want to show up in every circumstance of every day. We choose what kind of mother-in-law, mother, wife, daughter, sister, friend, and co-worker we are. I will definitely admit that I have plenty of thoughts that are muddy. I like all humans, think my way's better. As I allow others their agency to do it their way, it's not crystal clear, clean thinking. I get to practice cleaning up my thinking a lot. Knowing that I choose how I show up keeps me responsible for me. You can write a useful manual. No shame, no guilt. Just how you want to be. And then work toward becoming that person. I find it best to have compassion for everyone. You included. Me included. Everyone is usually doing the best they can given where they are emotionally, with the circumstances of their lives, with the tools they have. And I will always be a work in progress. I will tell you that this manual of how to be a good mother-in-law has been helpful to me. It is a piece of the work that I'm doing. It's a tool that I have used to help my life be better than before betrayal. Thank you for joining me. I hope that what I have shared today is helpful and hope-filled for you. If you know someone that would find this podcast helpful, please share it. If you have questions about this or any topic that you'd like to understand more deeply, to help you take responsibility for your own happiness, to find growth and healing from what you have experienced, please go to betterthanbeforebetrayal.com and schedule a time to chat with me. I'd love to answer questions for you.